Father, the storms that we all face, the shakings of this life. But Lord, we know in the middle of it all, there is a rock. And you are that rock, Lord. The children of Israel journeyed through a wilderness, and it said that rock that followed them was Christ. You're still the rock today. And we ask, oh God, may we find our anchor, our stability upon that rock this morning. I prayed, oh God, as we have just gone through this situation, we, we ask, oh Lord, that you'd continue to work and to stabilize. We thank you that you care. We thank you that you love, oh Lord. We thank you also that in the name of Jesus, there is authority over every contrary spirit. And so this morning, we stand on that name. We ask, O oh Lord, as we open the scripture, just make the word real to us. May it prepare us for the journey. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. We'll go directly to the book of Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. We'll start reading from verse 10. This is Jacob on the road out from, from his mother and father, Isaac and Rebekah. And he is on a journey, doesn't know it, but he's going to be encountering Lot. And God is going to use this period of time. But before all of that happens... This is Jacob on the way out. Verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, and he tarried there all night. 
because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and he put them for his pillows. And he laid down in that place to sleep. I don't know what kind of pillow you slept on, but it was not a pillow like Jacob slept on that day. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest in to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Now imagine this. All he's ever known is a carnal walk. All he's ever known, he's heard stories of Abraham, of Isaac. But now in the midst of all his deception and everything that he's done, something's happening. And... And he says um, in, in 13 again, Behold, the Lord stood above it, said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And to thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now this is God reaffirming Abraham's covenant with his seed. In verse 15, And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. He doesn't say a word, you deceived your brother, you did all these things. No, I've got a covenant with you, and no matter what you're going through, I'm going to watch over you, and I'm going to bring you into that. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So he's recognizing all of this, but then now he is doing something. And we all need to do something. And we all need to enact on what Christ has done for us. And it's not enough to just believe. As Brother Branham would say in the token message, you believe, that's well, but the devils believe and tremble. He says, we've not just come to talk about the token, we've come to apply the token. Okay, so now it needs to become personal. So Jacob, by inspiration, he rose up early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And he says, but the name of the city was called Lutz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set up, set for a pillar, shall be God's house. What stone? 
the one that he made. The rock that he tied himself to shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. The same revelation Abraham had when he met Melchizedek. God bless you. You may have your seats. Now, I will come back to this in a moment, but I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 7, verse 44, and I'm going to try and move along quickly this morning, and I'll just hit some highlights, but that's fine, and may it inspire you, may it help us, may it help me. Uh, We're here to have the Lord minister to us. Acts chapter 7, verse 44, this is Stephen, uh, one of the first deacons in the church, and he is now speaking with um, the, uh, you know, if, I, I would have liked to be there for that sermon. Because he starts out, you know, he's talking to the high priest and to there, and he just talks in a nice historical way. But the more he talks, the more anointed he becomes. And the more anointed he becomes, the more he becomes discerning of what's there, and God just overtakes his vessel and begins to speak to him. So he, we'll, we'll pick this up in verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion which, that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. So the minute he starts bringing the Gentiles in, I'm sure there was not some happy campers in the congregation. So he begins to do that, and now we go into it, and he says, and he says, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob? But Solomon built him a house, howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophets. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? What is the place of my rest? Now, I'll, I'll use this combined with what I read in Genesis to speak this morning Heaven's throne is giving access to earth's foundation stone. And I'll, I'll use that as a title, but let's just pick this up. I, I want to drop down to verse 50, um, 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But at that moment, he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into the heavens and saw the glory of God, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now, after that, they stoned him. Now, we we recognize it, but he had an access and he had a place. And, And not only that, if I can bring, I want to bring this both ways this morning. We have an access. We have an opening to heaven and it has to be built on a foundation. Now, I don't know, some of you who maybe are carpenters and things, uh, you know, if you've ever had a ladder and you've had to climb up the ladder a long ways, and it's a 30, 40 foot ladder, you look to put stability to the bottom of the ladder. You have somebody holding it, somebody bracing it. You might nail something down, but the ladder has to have a foundation. 
And so it, it is that you have an access, but heaven is also desiring to build on something on earth. And I, the Lord willing, let me just get into that a little bit this morning and, and do that. I, I also want to just go back to Hebrews, or just ahead to Hebrews chapter 12. We took this last week as a little bit of a foundation even for today, but if I can read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, and just I'm doing a bit of reading. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Just feel free to wave your hand, say hello, stand up, hey, God bless you. <laughs> that helps the service a lot. It not only helps me, it helps you, it helps your brother or sister. And so let's, let's engage. Uh, I, I'm, I, just because we start a little later doesn't mean I'm going to drag it later. Okay? And the quicker you help me, if I have to say amen, it's just going to go longer. But if you say amen, it'll go quicker. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth... Much more shall we, not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. What voice was that? That was the voice on the mount when Moses brought them back into the land at Mount Horeb. That shook the earth. And it said, now he has promised, yet once more I shake not the earth also, but also heaven and he says once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken. And he says, as of those things that, those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. I, I pointed out we often look at this in everything that is shaking, but the reason it's shaking is because there's something that has to stand. And God is going to show that there's a stability in what God's Word is expressed to the believer that is greater than all the things that are around us. And God is putting this foundation not just in, in, in a headquarters in Jeffersonville, not just on a, uh, a book uh, or, or the message as we know it, but it's got to come into hearts. It's God putting it in vessels. The message will not be just passing a tape. That's part of it, but it's got to be made flesh. It's got to come into us. Now, I, I, I trust that you want to be a part of that. And if you do, start engaging in this now. He will say, therefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let's have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Okay, so as, as we look at this scripture a little bit, and I, I want you just to think, and I'm not going to be able to go to all these scriptures, but a couple of weeks ago we talked a little bit about the stones when Moses was crossing, or when he gave, uh, uh, he told Joshua, you know, Moses took us, took the children of Israel out, but Joshua brought them in. But it was the same God that was in Moses expressed himself in Joshua. Now, I, Brother Andrew was ministering the other day, and uh, it, it, it got me onto a train of thought that I'll, I'll maybe express in a bit. But if I can just take this, he says, now, at the time of your crossing, you'll find this in Joshua chapter 4. He says, now, you, you take men, and you take men and and. From the river that you're going to cross, take 12 stones, and these 12 stones, he says, you shall carry them over with you. So there was actually going to be 
stones where the priest had crossed in the river, 12 stones, but there was also 12 stones that were going to be a vindication of the supernatural that happened. And it was 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So God was doing this, identifying his identification with a people. The message in this last day didn't come to just whosoever will. It came to a certain people that God had expressed and he put something in their heart to be able to receive this and to take it and let it become the stabilizing force in your life. It's not a willy-nilly. God knows them that are his. The foundation of God standeth sure with this seal that God knows them that are his. And he will not leave one behind. That's God's foundation. But we need to get this in our heart now. More than what I can do. More than what I did. You know, God is so great. He, he allows us to think that we had a part in it. You know, I separated from all my friends. I made a stand in baptism. I started paying. I did all of this. And after a while, he shows you you didn't have nothing to do with it. It was the grace of God in you. It was him that works in you. Friends, if we can see it, it, it still has to be him in us. Don't start out in grace and make the message a law. It is not that. It is grace from beginning until the end. Just because we're along in years and we're mature, you know, it's like we've got a right. No, we've got no right. We just got him. More than my knowledge, I need to walk with him. More than, than what I've learned, I need to be in fellowship with him. Because then you'll have direction in your life. So the anchor is not just on our learning, but the anchor is that he has come to me. So as they're crossing, he, he, he puts this foundation that in the times to come, when the children come, they may recognize God had done something that was with his people. And it would be important, you know, we're, we're talking now, we're coming into third and fourth generation of the message. Elders that were there in the beginning have passed on. Others that were in the subsequent have passed on. But the message is still enduring. And we need to see that the God that was, you know, in, in a supernatural way. My goodness, I, I get into thoughts and I just feel like I need to stop somewhere. Listen. I better save it. I'll save it for the right time. I got to move along today. So these stones were reflected in that. But then beyond that, even as they journeyed further, when the priesthood was established and the priest would go in with a breastplate and the breastplate had 12 stones on it and each was a different color. Each was ex expressing a different part of the light of God. But those stones had nothing or no light qualities in themselves. But behind the breastplate there was the Urim and the Thummim and when that lit up it expressed itself through the stones. It's still what we need today. The Urim and Thummim. We, we need that as an anchor today. We don't need our opinions. We don't need our thoughts on the matter. We need Christ. The mind of God is here. And we need to be tapped into it. Also is the mind of Satan. 
And that's expressed in much of what we view in our lives. And I would say, don't let that reign over you. Don't let that rule over your thinking. Don't let it pervert you. But stay in the mind of God. Now, you find Bethel is mentioned first in Genesis chapter 12. And it was Abraham that would, would make a, uh, build an altar in Bethel. Actually, if, if you read it, it was in Genesis 12. He built, he, he had Bethel on the west and high, but he built an altar. In Genesis 13, he journeyed from the south even to Bethel. Now, it wasn't really known as Bethel at the time, but the Bible labels it by what it will be because it was known as Lutz first. And he says, so that, that place, and then it was in Genesis, so Abraham had, as he journeyed, he placed his tent between Bethel and Hai, where he'd been at the beginning. So Abraham, on his journey, he didn't come directly to Bethel, but he, God made a revelation to him, and it was significant, and he came back to it. Now, we took a service here on a Wednesday Remember the rock from whence you're hewn. That is not just to look back at a one-time experience, but it's to come back to it and reestablish what God made as a foundation then. Because we find ourselves, you, you, I won't have time to go into them all today, but you put these two quotes to bed together, find ourselves. He says, sometimes we find ourselves tore up, tossed about. He says, then go back. Now, that's exactly what happened to Jacob, because we find here is Jacob, and Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, he comes to this rock, and God makes a covenant with him, and it's a stone, and it's this rock, and, and he makes a covenant with him, and so then from that point, he goes into the land, and there he meets, uh, his, his, uh, he meets Laban, and, and Laban I may have said Lot earlier, I just caught myself on that, but it's Laban that he met, and Laban has two daughters, and, and his intent is he, he ends up working for Laban, and I know there's been some types recently in weddings that, uh, about working for Laban in order to get a daughter, but, but anyway, that was the real and original type. So Laban was there, and, and, and so as, as Abraham is working for him, and listen, the difference between Jacob and Laban was not too different in the natural. In the natural, Jacob was a shyster. Laban was all of that and more. And so, you know, you just find, says, well, I just, you know, Jacob deserved that. He actually did. And God, I don't know if God sometimes allowed that so Jacob could see himself in the situation. And, and we need to be able to not just, you know, we, uh, human beings were so, we deceive ourselves so easily. We have no trouble looking in on somebody else's situation and discerning what's going on. But we have a lot of trouble applying that to ourselves. 
And so you need to make the center of your universe not your flesh, not your mind, not your thinking, but you need to make it the Word of God. That's the standard. And I'm not the center of that. I'm somewhere outside of that. And then you'll be able to see and judge rightly. Then you'll be able to, to be able to see your brother's place and your sister's place. And then it'll take away the pride and the self that so easily deceives us. So here is, here is, here is Jacob, and, and he, he's meeting Lot, and he's, Lot, I said it again, Laban, he's meeting Laban, and let me just pick this up in Genesis 31. Just go to Genesis 31, verse 11. Ethan, I didn't give you all of these, but if you, you'll jump to that for us, please, that'd be appreciated. So this is right when Jacob has, you know, they made a covenant, a business deal, but then Jacob recognizes, you know, if I allow the cattle and the goats to come in and they look at the water, it means they're going to be birthed in a certain way with certain colors and things because it's going to be inherent in part of them. I mean, you talk about what you see reflecting in the spiritual. If it happens with animals, it can happen with human beings. What you look at will reflect somewhere. So anyway, that, he says now in verse 11, And the angel of God spake in a dream, saying, Jacob, and he said, Here I am. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see, and all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-straked, speckled and grizzled, for I have seen all that Laban has done unto you. Okay, so now who is the, the covenant is coming back to him. Jacob is in trials, he's in troubles, it doesn't look like things are going this way, it doesn't look like what Rebecca had going on in her womb is actually even close to fruition, but God saw it, and, the, and what he put before him, the access between heaven and earth, and now he says this in verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, wherein you anointed a pillar. Wherein you vowed a vow to me. Now arise and get out of this land and return to the land of your kindred. Now Jacob was running away from that land, away from trouble, and he got into more trouble. And now he's in trouble, and he didn't want to go back because his brother Esau was there. But now when God speaks to him and says, go back, remember Bethel, I am commissioning you, go back. Now Bethel was a foundation for him. All of us have to have places in our lives where we can say, I know God met me here. I know God made something real to me. And sometimes when you're tossed to and fro and you don't know where you're at and you're doing all of these things, that's a time that you have to come back and say, Lord, these scriptures meant a lot to me. I feel like I've drifted off of that mark. Take me back to that place, Lord. Renew my first love again, Lord. Bring me back into that channel. The world has eaten things up, but bring me back to that place. I need that. You need that. We all need that. Let's not drift too far off the foundation. Let's not become loose. Let's go back to the place where the rock was made real to us. Brother Branham would give this commentary. God took Jacob and he showed him some of the future, knowing he was an heir of the promise, not because he deserved it, but because God promised it. 
Not because you got it right, not something you have done, but God's give you that kind of a promise. When we're dead in Christ, you take on Abraham's seed and you're heirs with Abraham. The only way you can become an heir is you're dead to yourself. That's right. Listen, you are a pilgrim and a stranger seeking a city to come whose builder and maker is God. You're wandering about. But you got a faith that looks through the dark sky and the cloudy weather and sees beyond that and God in his great domain. Now, Brother Branham actually talks about Stephen even when he was dying. He'd seen Jesus glorified and they began to beat him with stones. But Stephen looked upwards and Jesus, after he'd finished his work, had sat down on the right hand of God and he had an access to him. But here's Jacob. He lays down. God shuts him off, puts him in a coma of a vision. And he looks up and he sees a ladder fastened up to heaven, to God's throne, reaching all the way to earth, and angels ascending and descending. Oh, Brother Ram says, what a beautiful promise. God has made a way of escape, a ladder to climb on, a sure foundation. God promised it. It was hooked in glory to the throne of God. And he says, but where could he find a place on earth to hook it to? He says he tried to hook it on a Jewish nation. Now God's showing in a type here, but he's also, we're recognizing there was a natural seed, but there was a spiritual seed. And there was one to come. Now, listen to this. He says he couldn't hook it on Jacob. He can't hook it on you. But he could hook it on his covenant. He can hook it to the promise God made in you. And he says now, he says, that little fellow sitting there, backslid, little shyster, lying, treating his wife the way he was, he couldn't hook it on that. Listen, don't think he called you in the flesh. He didn't call you. He called you with the promise of something he was going to do in you, what he's going to do in me. And even we, after we've been serving God a while, we think, oh, you know, God must love me so much. No, he doesn't love just you. He loves the, the inside of you, but it's the part of Christ that he has to hook himself to. And he said, no, he couldn't hook it on that temple. But Jesus said, there'll come a time when there'll be not one stone left on the temple. He tried to hook it on David. He, tried to, he took Bathsheba and killed Uriah. He tried to hook it on others. But the Bible said, there'll be a stone laid in Zion, a precious stone, a tried stone. That will be the anchor. Yes, a wonderful stone. God being in heaven with a ladder hooked to his own throne. He hooked it on none other but the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. There's our anchor. There's our refuge. There's our rock. That's the one that followed the children of Israel. That's the rock of your life. I love how Brother Moses took that on, on Wednesday. You get in the permissive will of God. You're not, you know, you're not there. But what does it take? Just realign. Move back over. Get in the perfect will of God. And then it's hooked to you again. You're under the blood. And when you make mistakes, he'll stand for you. When you do things, but stay in that channel. And when you find yourself out, come back. Come back to Bethel. Don't just make it a one-time thing. Come back and revisit it. Say, Bethel is the place where God did something, where he established something in my life. Oh, God, take those moments. Just listening to testimony of a young man 
and just talking about what God did, and he felt like he wandered away from it. But I said, it's, it's there. It's always been there. Just come back to it. He says, God made the covenant unconditionally, hooked it in Christ Jesus. There it's hooked above and by the sun beneath. It's the traveler's way from earth to glory. You can't fail. There are great companies of angels up and down here, ascending and descending, picking up the weary and the sick, healing their bodies, showing visions, signs and wonders. It can't fail. It can't slip. It can't slide. You're safe. God said so forever. Then what are you scared about? Our promise is hooked between God and Christ, and we're in between them. And he says... When we're making this foundation, climbing each day higher and higher, it brings me one round higher. Anything happens, it'll fall along the road. Oh, come on, we're marching up to Zion, to that beautiful city of God. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Oh, one rung higher, one rung closer. We're climbing that ladder. And it's anchored at both ends. I believe that we can take that. I, I, I'm not going to, I got other quotes I won't read, but let's go to Genesis 35. We'll move the service along here. Genesis 35. Here is Jacob. Years later, he's now met Esau. He's met, he's got 12 sons. He is now walking in the land. And they come to the place called Shechem, and that's where they met Hamor, the Hivite. That's where they abused his, his daughter. And, and then Jacob's sons took the approach that was very natural to them. You know, we'll, we'll A, we'll deceive them into going into a circumcision, and when they're weak, then we'll slay them. And here is Jacob and he says in, in chapter 34, verse 30, he says, You have troubled to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land. They'll gather themselves, I'm just skipping some of it, uh, gather themselves together against me to slay me, and I, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Uh, I don't believe at that moment he knew that he even had a friend. He didn't know where the next attack was coming from. But God speaks to him in chapter 35, verse 1. And God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. What was it? God was taking him back again. Go back to the place that I had for you and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared to me when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And, and Jacob said unto his household and to all that are with Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. Friends, when you go and visit that place, I'll tell you what, a lot of things need to drop off. A lot of our attitudes need to drop off. A lot of our, our worldliness needs to drop off. A lot of the, the things that we carry need to drop off. I say it, friends, Bethel is not just our foundation, but it is our rock that leads all the way to heaven. We can't just dwell on the foundation, but we need to build on the foundation. We need to move higher all the time. We're not just children anymore. We've got to rise up a little higher. Friends, the world we live in, such a polarizing world. You know what? If 
You don't see it my way, well, I'll demonstrate against you. And you know what? We get the same attitude in our, in our midst. Hang on a second. Not one of us is right in ourselves. And we need to give way for our brother and for our sister. Not one of us has it all in our hands. But we're depending on him. So sometimes you say something and, 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 and all of a sudden somebody, well, if you didn't like what I said, I'm just going to go over and sit in the corner. Or if you don't like what I said, I'll just blast you back. Both approaches are wrong. What we need to do, sometimes we live in a generation where everything is somebody else's fault. I, oh, these circumstances. I was mistreated by my parents. I was mistreated by my school teacher. And then I was at school and I was bullied and I was this. And therefore I have a right to everything that's in me. Oh my, what a miserable state you're in. For instance, not one of us had a perfect parent. And not one of you will be a perfect parent. You're going to make mistakes. Neither can we say as ministers, oh, we got a perfect minister. No, anybody that exalts that, that, that's too far. There's only one perfect among us. Neither do you tear somebody down when they make a mistake. There ought to be room where we can be mature enough to recognize we are part of a body, but there's a God in the midst of us. The Bible says that we need to grow up. How do we grow up? Put on Christ. Go back to the place. Listen. This is good for every one of us today. This is good for me. It's good for you. I was going by, I think I was by the hospital the other day, and I saw a really good sign. And it, it, it had a little thing that says, um, you're welcome to come in, but uh, the time to register complaints was yesterday. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Let me say this. We have a box at the back there. Every once in a while, we get a note slipped in there. Sometimes I think it's sincere. Sometimes it's good. And sometimes it just gives an opinion. But you know what? It leaves no room for interaction. You don't sign your name. You don't say anything. How does that help the rest of the body? How can we talk amongst one another? I'm just saying this. Don't expect the minute you put it in, you're going to get blasted. Then we're wrong. If, if there's no room for discussion, what good is it to be part of a body? I think we ought to recognize and say, we're part of one another. If there's anywhere we feel comfortable, it's with one another. As long as we take the Spirit of Christ with us. But the minute we just jab, and, and you know, I'm not saying that's the intent all the time, but the minute you do it that way, that's not God's provided way. I'm sorry. And I say this, Brother Branham said, if you see something wrong in me, that's Brother Branham, he says, you're obligated to come and tell me. And don't just wait and, and compile a list. I said, over the last number of weeks, I've observed this in you, Brother Ed. Da, 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 da. I, I say, as you compile that list, Look in the mirror and compile your own list about yourself and you can be able to judge what's really important. We need a dose of reality once in a while. Hey, 
Uh, you're, you're, I'm not perfect in myself, neither is any of you. But neither am I going to hate, or neither am I going to run away, and neither am I going to jump on somebody. I'm going to love. Let me, let me read something Brother Branham would say. And, and this, this was just good. It, it, it just came. And it says, talking about, here's a sign of the Holy Spirit, one of the best signs that you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're in love with Christ, and you believe every word that He says to be the truth. That's the evidence. And then He talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And He says, now, every person in here, He says, now, He says, Every person in here, if they were perfectly in harmony with the Holy Spirit, every one of you was filled with the Holy Ghost and in harmony with the Holy Ghost, these signs would be multiplying all the time. It would just be constantly going, but where there's confusion and difference, and we set up that way, the Holy Spirit cannot move. Brother Adam would say, I would rather have love in the church than every gift in the body. Now, does that dismiss the gifts? No, it doesn't. But he says, get love first and then minister through the gifts. That applies to a minister. That applies to every officer. That applies to every gift. And there's nine spiritual gifts to the church. That applies to, and and it's not three gifts, by the way. It's nine gifts. Nine gifts. You know, what about wisdom? What about discerning of spirits? What about, what about faith? Those are gifts. It's not just tongues and speaking in tongues and prophecy. Those are gifts too. And we're not throwing those out, but it's all nine. I want all of God. But they have to be governed by something. There has to be a foundation. Okay, I didn't expect to go down all this path today. But I'm, I, it's fine. We need it. I need it. The church needs it. Okay, so he says, he says, now arise, go to Bethel, make an altar there. And the God that answered me, verse 3, in the day of my stress, distress and was there. So they took all the strange gods. So things can come into a church, influences, little, little spirits and little things can creep in. And we need to constantly purge out, and not just in the church, into our homes and into families and into our individual lives. And we begin seeing and doing things that we wouldn't have thought of in the beginning. But there's a rock you can go back to. There's a foundation stone. There's a Spirit of God. He's not pushing you away. He wants you to come back to it. What is it? It's your stability. It's the foundation that God has given us. Okay, go with me to First uh, Kings, First Kings, chapter eighteen. First Kings, chapter eighteen. This is the showdown at Mount Carmel. Israel had a wicked king by the name of Ahab. And it wasn't so much that he was wicked, but he allowed Jezebel. He married her and allowed her to rule. It became religious. She had prophets. They had, they had 850 prophets. And God called a showdown. There was a famine in the land. And he called the showdown. And Elijah had called this showdown. And he says, now, go ahead. Call on your God. The God that answers by fire is the God that we'll serve. 
And he comes and he calls him. And he says, now, I, I won't read all of it. You can read the whole story. You, you know it as well. Verse 29. Let's go 1 Kings 18, verse 29. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Then there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Now, just a few steps before this, Elijah, he says, call a little louder. Maybe he's sleeping. And they beat even harder. And they cut themselves more. (laughs) Elijah knew where he was standing. We need to know where we're standing in the face of everything that comes our way. And Elijah said to all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So before the fire could ever fall, the altar had to be repaired. The broken altar made with stones had to be repaired. Now, I I just take this as a principle, but he took 12 stones, verse 31, according to the number of the tribes or the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, and that would came two measures of seed, and he put the wood in order, the bullock and, and the wood, and he says, fill four barrels of water. Uh, pour the burnt sacrifice, do it again, do it again, verse 34. And the water ran about the altar. I don't know where they got the water from. There wasn't a lot around. And it came to pass in the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So let me just stop there for a minute. Elijah is a spirit that God could use. And Elijah, he did not regard man. He did not regard the king. He did not even regard the religious leaders. But he was concerned about one thing, and that was what God had commissioned him to do. And I, friends, I I believe if you look at the age we live in, in, and you can listen, you can listen to religious men, but you will never hear a voice like Elijah. You'll never hear everybody that cuts it straight. And I say this, this church needs to be under that. Families need to be under that. I need to be under that. We need to be and be able to deal with it straight. Now, it's more than just using a sledgehammer. But we need to implement it into our lives. Because there's such a soft age around us that we become weak in ourselves sometimes and things just come through. But the more you stay under that voice, the stronger you become... And I will say this, the message of Elijah had to have a resting place. Brother Andrew was, was speaking the other day, and it just struck me. When Moses came, and Moses had two signs as of indication. One sign was casting down the rod, and... That rod would be picked up, it would, it would turn into a snake, be picked up as a rod again. But that could be impersonated. Then he also had a gift of putting his hand in and it would come out, be leprous, and he'd put it back out and it would become whole again. Now these are signs that Moses could govern within himself. He could take them and he could show anybody, I'm a vindicated prophet, prove it, and he showed it. 
Now, that was under first and second pull, if we want to call it that. But now we had a messenger come in this last age, and under first pull, he could put a hand out, and the hand would show if there was a disease in the physical body. But he also had a gift to be able to discern the hearts of people and, and understand what was in them. That was not a man reading minds. That was the sign of the Son of Man. But it was personally to one. Now, Joshua comes. Moses, in Joshua 1, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. But he said, be strong and be of good courage. And then he says, this day I will begin to magnify you. How was he going to magnify him? By staying with the word of Moses. By staying with the commission that God had given him. And it wasn't going to be a sign. He said, well, I've got a gift or I've got something. It was going to be God that was going to back up his word. So when he saw, you know, here, and uh, this works both ways. It works when, 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 when Joshua would begin to, to speak to them. In fact, when they had to take Ai, the city of Ai, that's where they lost the battle. That was actually not far from Bethel. That's another story, but I'll come to it. But it, it works both ways. It was when he was in a battle with the children of Amalek, who God had prophesied that they should die, that he's in the middle of that battle, and, and he's telling the foot soldiers, giving orders, giving orders, and then under inspiration he says, sun stand still, moon you stand there. The vindication that God was with him was God backing him up. That's our vindication. It's not that I got a sign and I can prove something and I can, I, can, I can convince somebody. The vindication is that God backs up our lives. That's where we need to stand. God, that your, my life is holy before you. That ought to be our emphasis. Our emphasis is not on ourselves. It's not on particular members of the body, particular churches, but it's on the Word of God that's been given to a generation. Let me stay with that word. Now everybody has a place. Nobody's taking that place from you. But let's recognize our place. So, Elijah comes to the end in verse 30, 36. Elijah didn't scream like I am this morning. Elijah just comes to the... Here, this is the great showdown. <laughs> and he says, come near. And then he makes this simple little prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day, number one, you are God in Israel. Number two, I am your servant. And number three, I have done all of these things at your word. That's all he said. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and Thou hast turned their heart back again. What are we living under? That our hearts are turned back again. What is our vindication? Oh, I've got all the tapes. I've got, I've got them in digital form. I've got all the books. I've got all, 
That's not our vindication. Our vindication is when God comes and backs up our life, our part in the body. Now, Elijah has his part. That will always be there. But there's also a people that have to find their place. And we have to be those people. And it says in verse 38, then the fire of God fell. What happens first? The altar, the broken altar has to be restored. The altar that that the church world, the denominational world had come to was a broken altar. Baptized three times forward, three times backward, Trinity baptism, that altar had to be restored. It's the evening time. There's one God. It is a fact that Christ and God are one. That had to be restored. The original sin had to be restored. That which Paul preached, that had to be restored. The the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, that had to be restored. It wasn't a bishop hierarchy. It wasn't a favoritism around one individual. It was around the Word of God. It was not a book of acts of the people. It was a book of acts of the Holy Spirit in the people. That's the God we want to see. We don't want to see one man exalted. We don't want to see a church exalted. We want to see Christ exalted. Now that altar has to come into our homes. It can't just be out there. And he says to to the families in one place, are you willing to restore the altar? Are you willing to kick out the comic books? Comic books? Yeah, because they plant seeds. They plant seeds of Superman, something else other than the real Superman. They, They plant other seeds. So does it every time we look at something, it drops a little seed in. Or listen to something. There's a little music, there's a little beat, there's a little something, and it just, oh, da, da, da. have you ever asked yourself where that came from and what it's leading you to? Why would Brother Branham say at the end, he says, about Elvis, and he says, I look into the jungles of Africa, and they got these tubes sticking out of their ears, and he says, I see them that, he says, it's leading them to Armageddon. I don't think we understand the gravity of that. How many wants to have the gospel straight? How many, if you'd rather have it soft-soaped, that's not the direction we're going here. Does that mean that we're going to just become belligerent and kick everybody? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to try to have a balance with Christ in our heart, and we're going to say, God bless you, brother. God bless you. Listen to the service, the Word made flesh. Brother Bram says, I I saw the other day that I developed a critical spirit and I wanted to go and correct my brother. And he said, that was wrong. Because A, he had a critical spirit. B, he was taking God's place. Friends, sometimes you just need to back off, pray, and say, God, give me grace. And when the hour arrives, if you want me to say something, then I'll say something. But until that time, Lord, The bride as thus saith the Lord, or she stands still. Let my sentence come from your presence. Let it be the unction of the Holy Ghost. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. There's times we speak out of frustration. There's times we speak out of despondency or, or discouragement. But let your anchor come back. Friends, you know, you examine these phrases when it says, let, let the word of God dwell in you richly. You don't have to fight to do it. You just need to clear things out of the way. Let. God, 
let May it be that you can work through us as a many-membered body, as a church. Let it happen. Read about young men. Young men, I exhort you, be driven to every extreme of a joke you can. No, it doesn't say that at all. But we sometimes go there. Oh, yeah, did you see this clip? Did you see that clip? You know, it's sometimes a time to put the clips aside. <laughs> and there is a poet in the back there. God bless you, Brother Glenn. I love you. You know what? There's a time the Bible says, be sober-minded. You mean that a young man doesn't have to wait until he's 30 years old to be sober-minded? No. You can be 16, and you can be an anchor to your generation. You can be 20, and you can be a rock that people start to gravitate around. Why? That's possible because that's the promise. That's the foundation that we're coming to. How many want more of God? I believe we need more of God. Let me read one more quote, and I'm going to close here. I, I've, I've left a whole bunch off today, but I'm also giving you some things that weren't on my heart, that weren't in my notes, but are on my heart. And I'm saying, Lord... Let's move a little higher. This is not a, a finger-pointing message, except it's pointed this way. That's where we need to point it. And say, oh God, help me. And if you help me, I know you'll help my brother. I know you'll help this one. Let me, let me read one, one thing before I come to the Scripture. The prophet would say this. The angel of the covenant, we like to put it all on him, on the prophet. Now he says, now the pillar of fire has nothing to do with me. I'm just a man. The pillar of fire is in the church, not only with me, but with every one of you. It's all of us. He would go on to say, this supernatural pillar of fire in a message called Abraham you see the reaction of it here in the church. Just like it did when it was on earth in the flesh of the Son of God, now it's on earth in the flesh of adopted sons of God, bringing the church together for the Son of God to come and get a bride. It, I, I trust that you're seeing, I've got a part to play. And my part isn't just to God, but it's to the body. It's to every one of us working together. Let that spirit come in our midst, Lord. Let's go to 1 Kings. No, I just, sorry, I'm just there right now. Uh, what's the one I want? Oh, my goodness, I didn't put it down. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this, and I'm going to give you a couple of quotes. Under Elijah's ministry, there was the school of the prophets. And the school of the prophets, I'll be very quick. Under the school of the prophets, they started to, to have a pot, and they were make, they, they'd put some meal in the pot, and they were cooking it. And then one of the maybe zealous young priests, he threw some wild gourds into the pot. And all of a sudden, it became death in the pot. And, and, and they're going, oh, there's death in the pot. There's death in the pot. 
Sometimes we're, we're on our journey. We've left Bethel. We're going somewhere. And all of a sudden there's something that's come in our lives. And we say, how did I ever get here? We find ourselves, Brother Bram said, we can find ourselves despondent. We can find ourselves Elijah. He was down. He thought he was the only one. He'd got to such a place that God had to remind him, there's still 7,000. It's not just you, Elijah. We, we can get that way. We can get that way where we get intellectual and we get carnal and we, we, we become Dr. Law. Is, is that trigger a memory for you? We become Dr. Law. We can get to different places, and, but we find ourselves away from God. We find ourselves not where we should be. What was the answer to, to Jacob? He was a condition. Go back to Bethel. I met you there once. I'll meet you there again. What do we, what do we got to do? Just come back to the same place. What was the, what was the antidote for death in the pot? Pour some more meal into it. Because Christ is in every burr. Christ is in every part of that. And when you pour into it, it has the ability to take the death out of the pot. Things that you may have been taught wrong. Things that you may have been leading a long way. Attitudes you may have had. Put some Christ into it. And it will take the death out of the pot. Friends, what do we need to do? I, I love how Brother Moses brought it. Just, just get back into that perfect will again. Get back to listening into tapes. Get back into fellowship with God. You'll find that it'll change you. You won't be waiting for everybody else to change. You will change and they'll all look good to you. That's the problem half the time. Oh my goodness. Let's have the musicians come. I'll be true to my word. Just shortly after 12, but pretty good for where I was at. I mean, somebody should have applauded at this point already, but thank you. <laughs> uh, how many love the Lord? Yeah. Let's stand together. There was, I always never get titles, but I get parts of phrases from a song. You are my song, you are... You are my song. What's that? Yep, yep. That's the one. Me that is working. You hold the pieces. My words are naughty. 